Welcome to the Wish Well Podcast, a women's integrative summit on health and wellness. A podcast hosted by Dr. Michelle Dang, a board-certified anesthesiologist and pain management physician with additional fellowship training in integrative medicine. This podcast will feature weekly episodes with women from all walks of life discussing their health and wellness journeys. Welcome to episode six, Longevity with Dr. Tamara Como. Dr. Tamara Como is a native of California. She attended UCLA and obtained a Bachelor of Science and Bachelor of Arts. She finished medical school and completed an obstetrics and gynecology residency. Then she started her own private practice in 2000. After a few years in practice, Dr. Como became frustrated with the current medical model. She found that a disease-focused approach to medicine was unrewarding. There were two important things missing for her, the love of connecting with the spirit of the patient and the joy of supporting the human body and finding its way to healing had disappeared. As she continued her education and journey to become the best doctor she could possibly be, she obtained her master's in holistic nutrition, a natural medical degree, and became certified by the Anti-Aging and Regenerative Medicine Board. She completed an Integrative Cancer Therapy Fellowship and obtained certificates in Advanced Aromatherapy and Master Herbalism. Dr. Como retired from traditional medicine after 14 years and began her focus on the prevention and natural treatment of diseases. She continued to practice in the Woodlands, Texas, providing natural hormone replacement and vaginal rejuvenation. Connect with Dr. Como on Facebook at Dr. Como, also her Facebook group at Gyno Goddess, or by email at vitadoc2 at gmail.com. All of this information will also be available on the show notes. All right, hi everyone. This is Dr. Michelle Dang with the Wishwell Podcast. I'm here this afternoon with Dr. Tamara Como. Tamara and I actually met each other a few years ago, I think, at one of the Houston Women Physician meetups, and we see each other every now and then, and it's always fun to catch up. And the first time I met Tamara, I was really surprised because she was telling me all the stuff that she does, and she doesn't practice like a traditional clinical medicine anymore. And over the years, I just always love catching up with her and seeing all the things that she's doing. So welcome, Tamara. Thank you. Great uh, talking to you today. Awesome. All right. So the question I always ask everyone when they come on is what does health and wellness mean to you? Um, longevity. Longevity. And I know why she picked this word. So we'll talk about that. So Tamara, um, tell me a little bit about your story. Um, I know I mentioned that you love clinical, traditional clinical medicine. So tell us what you were doing before and then kind of what you're doing now. Yeah. So when I graduated residency. I did an OBGYN residency in Detroit at Wayne State. And then I moved to Texas and started my own practice. And this was in 2000. You know, that was when like most doctors would either be employed by the hospital and a lot of them would join groups. So they would be in private practice, but be in a group. And then Texas had an opportunity where they helped you start your own practice. And so I was like, I'll do that. I won't have a boss. I can do what I want. So I came here and started my own practice in 2000. And as an OBGYN, you know, part of your job, not only do you deliver babies, if people don't know what that is, but you also just do women's health. And so I took care of 
older women who had hormones, but hormone issues or menopause, but most of my uh, practice was very young. Mm -hmm. So in 2000, you know, I started, you know, and back then the only hormone pretty much was like Primpro. <laughs> that was like pretty much it. And, and all you learn in residency, I will teach you everything all OBGYNs learned in residency back in, you know, 2000 was, hey, if they have hot flashes, give them Primpro, the end, that's all. No bioidentical hormones, no herbs, nothing else that you, you learn. There's a paragraph about it, then you're done. So yeah. that's all we knew. Well, in 2001, they came out with that study. Hey, the hormones are going to give you breast cancer, throw them in the trash. So yeah. out go. So that's, that's our entire menopause learning out the window. So basically I'm practicing and I know nothing about menopause and no other doctor knows anything. And the patients, you know, have no help and no hope. So, and you know, and I was only 30 back then. I was young. And so I didn't have this particular set of problems that I needed. So I had no personal knowledge of what to tell them. So they would come in and I'd be like, they're like, I'm gaining weight. And I would say, well, eat better and exercise. And I'm tired. Uh, get more sleep. Well, I don't like sex. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, you know, because men had stuff for that, but women didn't. So there was just this whole, I mean, half of my day was delivering babies and the other half was just this big hole of nothingness. Like I had nothing to tell people. And then, you know, you have all pregnant women who are, have different medical problems. They have, they're bipolar, they have depression, they're on all these medications they get pregnant and then they're like, oh, well, now I can't take the medicine because I'm pregnant or I don't want to take the medicine. Now what do I do? And there was nothing. How do you treat depression if you don't have an antidepressant? How do you treat, you really don't treat bipolar if you don't have medicine. I mean, you just have all these things where there was just nothing. And mm -hmm. so I just started reading. I mean, just for my own benefit, not that, you know, I was like, I can't go to work and do all this stuff that's not in the Book or I haven't been taught, but I, I want to know, is there something on the planet? And most people who've known me for a long time know that I love to travel. I will get up and fly across the world in a heartbeat with, without any thinking. So, you know, I've been to like 63 different countries and in other countries they have, they do have herbs that they give to pregnant women and everybody. In Germany, they write prescriptions for herbs. So I'm like, there's something out here. We just don't know about it. So I would go on, you know, I went online and I got a master's in holistic nutrition and a naturopathic medical degree. And I just started learning all of these different aromatherapy. I'm a master herbalist. I mean, I just learned all this weird stuff. <laughs> and, I, and I would tell people, they would come in and I, they would be like, I have depression. I'm like, oh, I have samples of antidepressants. And they're like, do I have to take that? And I'm like, okay, now we're off the clock and I'm going to tell you weird stuff that you, you know, and they would all just be like, yeah, I'm all about that. And I'm like, okay, your insurance doesn't pay for it. I, I don't care. I want, I want the weird stuff, you know. So I had this big practice full of people who wanted alternatives. They and what had, year was this in your practice? Oh, so this was by, by then I studied for a while. So it was around 2006. I was probably like 35 when I was just like, let me start reading something mm -hmm. because, you know, my patients wouldn't be that old before everything would start falling apart. They'd be 40 or not, you know, at, at around 40, I would get a lot of people who were having issues. And at 50, I'd have, everybody would have an issue. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm only five years away from this weird thing that starts happening to everybody at, you know, I mean, I was like, I was like and I was like, I better find something out like now, because if I gain, you know, 50 pounds, all of a sudden, mm -hmm. 
you know, if I've all of a sudden gained all this weight and, you know, get tired and can't get out of bed and deliver a baby, that's going to be a problem. problem. I can't have these problems. And these were, you know, normal, healthy people who just all of a sudden they were like, man, I was fine, but what I used to do doesn't work. And I'm like, let me just, let me, I'll be right back. You know, so it was 35 when I started really reading things. And then by like, I probably had my master's degree by 2007 and then my naturopathic medical degree around 2009. Then I started making my own line of herbs. I had a whole, everything I want. If I wanted, if you had attention deficit disorder, I made a formula for that. You couldn't sleep. I had something natural. If you, you bled too much, I had natural herbs combined for that. If you had hot flashes, I had an herbal. I, I literally had like 10 different products that were unique to me and I could do everything without a prescription. So So how did you even start coming up with your own line of herbs? How does, if if that was something that somebody wanted to do, how would you even go about getting started doing that? It was just in my head and I would just, you know, like if if you know enough about herbs, you start saying, you know what, if I combine these three, it's going to be a really good formula. Cause you could send people to the store to get black cohosh, but you know, black cohosh by itself works about 50% of the time if you read any of the studies. But then I was like, but there's other things that are complementary to that. And if I add to it, I can get more than half the people to give me a response. So I just would put things together that made sense to me and they worked and they would sell out and I'd buy more. I was really good at making like things with essential oils. So as a gynecologist, of course, all day long, I have people with vaginal complaints. Mm-hmm. And it takes a while before you get the cultures back. Sometimes, you know, they could have a yeast infection, a bacterial infection, or the other half of them have something miscellaneous you don't even know. Well, I had to come up with a concoction to treat miscellaneous. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have a medicine for yeast. I have a medicine for bacteria. I don't have a medicine for your cultures are negative, but you still itch and have an odor. You know, I didn't have a medicine for that. Well, I made one. And so, and people would just come in for that. Like, hey, do that thing you did last time. Give me that, you know, can I take it home? And then I started, you know, I started making balms that they could take home. So I just started making things because I needed them. (laughs) They do not exist. I needed it. And I said, hey, if these three things were together in a bottle, that would actually be what I need. And I would just come up with it and call, you know, there's a lot of private label companies. Some of them will just put your name on a formula they have. And some of them, if you buy enough bottles of something, you can tell them, I mean, I'd be like, can, I, can you put mayonnaise, mustard and ketchup all in one bottle, send it back and I'll do it. You know, whatever you tell them to. So I, I did that for a long time. So, and so this is why you're still doing a traditional clinical OB gynecology practice. I was doing a hybrid. So I was doing, I was still taking insurance, but I was, a lot of what I did was natural. So, I mean, I would give you a prescription if, you know, some people weren't interested in something natural. They're like, what does my insurance pay for? Is it free? Is it my copay? I just want that. Don't tell me anything else. But half of my practice was, I want something natural and I don't want to do, you know, regular stuff. So, so it was a hybrid, but the problem became, you know, as time went on and I did a lot more natural, spent more time with patients, insurance companies started requesting all of my notes. 
and you know, you know, just if you, especially if you do, if you do a level four, you're going to trigger an audit. If you, it's really, if you do a level five, like really spend a lot of time, because when you do natural stuff, it's not a five minute buy this. It's you've got to why what they're doing. You also have to change your lifestyle. I want you to change your diet. And that takes a lot of time. So you're going to use a different code. Well, they will want your note. And then when they see your note and you did not write them Lipitor, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for their high blood pressure or, you know, or for their high cholesterol or, you know, if you didn't do something normal, they'll be like, we don't pay for that. And so I was like, and then patients, you know, it just became a whole big thing. So part of it was just insurance doesn't really have a lane for this, mm-hmm. what I was doing. And then as time went on, I didn't want to give people antidepressants. I was like, I want you to have them because you, your primary care can give them to you and your other doctors. Like, but I know, a way that I want things done and I want to attract patients who want to do this. I don't, you know, want to spend half my day not really helping serving the people who want to just play their copay. I want to serve the people who don't have an option, don't have another doctor who can tell them this. So I just changed my practice. I actually started going just one day a week to a spa where I was doing all my natural hormones and only people with natural things. I was doing platelet-rich plasma in their vagina instead of surgery. Like I had a whole clinic where I was only doing natural stuff. And then when I went back to the clinic where I was paying a copay, I was just like, you know, anyone can do this and I don't want to be here, you know, doing what everybody can do. I want to only use my brain to do the stuff that makes more sense to me. It Because people would say, oh, I'm going to go take this stuff from my bones. What would you do? And I would be like, not that. I would spend half my day like saying, I'm giving you something that I don't want to end up in this position and I would not take and I would not put it in my body. (laughs) And it's hard to do that. It's hard to go to work and do stuff that is, as you know better, it's hard to do things that's against your philosophy. Philosophy, Right. So sort of like if I take insurance, I have to get in, people are going to walk in, see me on the plan and say, I want my Xanax. And I'm like, that is against my philosophy because there's so many other ways to do this thing. Not that it's wrong. Someone's going to give it to you. You're going to be happy, but it's not my philosophy. And I don't want to practice against my philosophy. Yeah. So, so it sounds like at some, at one point, and so when did you fully transition out of a traditional practice and doing kind of your own Dr. Como type of thing? Like probably five or six years ago because like I said I was going back and forth and then you know just the day came when I was like you know I'm never going to really grow the part of the practice that is meaningful to me if I'm still spending all this energy running the part of the practice that is against my philosophy you know sometimes you have to be like it's all got to be aligned if I'm actually going to grow the way that I want to grow. Do you miss the um, obstet- obstetrics part of it, delivering babies and seeing pregnant women? Or, I mean, I'm sure you still see some pregnant women, but the actual, you know, no, delivering I never see pregnant women. Never, oh, you never. don't? Okay. Once I stop taking insurance, I, when people meet me and they say, oh, you're an OBGYN, I'm like, forget you heard that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I maintain a normal license because, you know, at some point I might need to write you a prescription for something normal, but I was like, I don't do their pap smears. I don't take care of their pregnancy. Nothing that your insurance. Well, everything I do is considered experimental. So when people come Mm -hmm. in, they're like, why am I not using my insurance? I'm like, look, if you want normal stuff that your insurance covers, there is a physician that is aligned with that practice. Mm -hmm. My practice is, you know, I'm not going to do vaginal suspension surgery. I'm going to put 
platelets and growth factors in your vagina. If you want your hair to grow, I'm going to put platelets and growth factors in your hair. If you want your mood to be better, I'm going to use something natural before we resort to something else. So I'm like, we're doing that. So it's just, it's very- What I do now is aligned with my philosophy and how Mm -hmm. I want to do things. And I can't miss doing something in a way that's, I don't want to do it. You know what I mean? It's hard to, it's hard to miss sort of like missing high school. I have outgrown high school. I have nothing against being in high school. I needed to be in high school, but I, I don't miss high school because I'm not the person that went to high school anymore. And I don't miss college. I, I went to UCLA. It's fun. LA is great. But I'm no longer the person who needed to do that. And so, and when I delivered babies, I liked delivering babies. I did surgery. I loved doing surgery, but I'm no longer the person <laughs> who yeah. can do that. You know what I mean? Like I am a very, I'm a different person now that I know what I know than I was then. And the person 10 years ago could do that she did not know any better and she couldn't do anything different. This person could not do that again. So I can't miss some, you know, I, I yeah. did I enjoyed it. And then I became a different person. If I go learn something different tomorrow, I will be a different person and I won't miss what I did today because I'm, I'm no longer the person who could enjoy this today. Right. I mean, it sounds as though you definitely have evolved your practice over time, and it may not have been until you had that experience working mm-hmm. in your own clinical practice where you had that certain demographics of patients who were, um, you know, wanting something else, um, who were getting older and wanted, you know, another idea of what else they can use. And so maybe that was part of the process for you. Yeah. Well, but it's like, and I also grew up like that. I didn't just like, as a physician become that person like I grew up in California my mom wasn't like a hippie I always tell people my mom was a hippie but she wasn't really a hippie but you know they they have a different philosophy to it like I couldn't take cough medicine if I had a cough she'd go make golden seal tea my mother never took hormones she went and she's the one that told me the herbs when I first started asking my mom like what did you do for hot flashes my patients are coming in here tripping I don't know what to tell them (laughs) She's like, girl, I made me some tea out of some Dawn Claw and some, you know, she named some herbs and I would just tell my patients, like, here's what my mama does. <laughs> that is so funny. If you want to, but I'm going to tell you what my mother does, but, and, and don't take this as the scientific gospel truth. I'm just trying to help you out. And they will come back and be like, that was great. And I'm, and you know, when I first actually started doing things differently, I was actually shocked at how much and how well it worked like my pregnant women who would stop taking like they'd be on an antidepressant and they would stop taking it and I would be like I don't know how I'm gonna make you feel that good mm-hmm. not without using the antidepressant I was like but here's what I've read why don't you do more omega-3 and then I want you to take this and let's check your level of that and then let me give you some I would just make up different things depending on what I thought that particular patient needed mm-hmm. and then they'd have the baby and then they'd come back and I'd say oh you're delivered you can go back on your prior medicine medication and they'd be like no what you were doing was working better than the medicine and I would be like really and then I thought it was just that one strange person and then the next person would come and the next and like the majority of my patients would not go back on their previous medications once I started messing with them And like I said, it took me a few years before I was just like, oh, either I am just that good (laughs) or 
the they stuff works. <laughs> no, it, they didn't need it in the first place. And people just never looked at them and started to address, you know, because depression isn't always just a situational, my life sucks kind of thing. Sometimes you don't have the B vitamins to even generate the neurotransmitters to be happy, mm-hmm. or you don't have the omega-3, or you're not on the right diet, or, you know, there, sometimes there's some glitch that if you look at it and fix it, your mood actually comes with you and you don't need, you know, the antidepressant isn't replacing any of that. Mm-hmm. So that's really, you know, once I was forced to look at everything that way, you know, so now people come, oh, can I ask you a five minute question? I'm like, I don't have a five minute answer. I am no longer <laughs> capable of, a, I am literally not capable of a five minute answer. I'm capable of a 10 hour answer, or if you're lucky, a one hour answer, but I am, it's not even in my wheelhouse anymore to give you an answer in five minutes, because I'm going to have 30 minutes of questions <laughs> before I give you an answer. Yeah. And, and the thing is like with you know, function, <laughs> functional medicine and integrative medicine, it's not a one size fits all, right? I mean, there's so many factors that go into play with just one issue or one diagnosis. And so it does take, require a lot of time. So it is definitely not just a five minute type of deal. And it's never one issue. Once somebody comes with one issue, I find 10 more that they didn't even think about. I'm like, what about your kidney stones? Oh, that was 10 years ago. I'm like, but you're capable of having kidney stones. (laughs) What about your, you know, this other thing? Oh, but that resolved. I'm like, but you had it. So something, you know, I was like, it's all a part of the puzzle. So what you have now is basically either an evolution of all those things that you don't think are a problem, or there's something about this whole ball that you just handed me and not tell me real quick how to lose weight. Weight is not real quick. (laughs) Your body has a lot of different things going on. And until you address those things, your metabolism isn't coming with you. And so, yeah, no. So now, you know, I I just approach everything differently. And that's why I can't miss what I used to do because I used to have to fix everything in five minutes. And I did. And, And you weren't fixed. You were just happy enough to come back in a year and say, yeah, you know, I need another, you know, but you weren't, I mean, I just was like, I'm not making people better. I'm helping them, but I'm not making them better people. And that's why longevity is my word because, you know, yeah, I can fix your depression and your hangnail and your, give you glasses for your eyesight, but did what I give you make you live to 120? Did it get you any closer? And if it didn't, why didn't we look at it that way. You know what I mean? And and when you're 120, do you still walk? Do you walk upright? Do you feel okay? Do you get out of bed without pain? So you want to, I want to be here for a long time. I want to be functional for a long time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, in regular medicine, we're only looking at very acute, tiny pieces of problems instead of looking at everything like, will I live longer? Yeah. And I mean, that's what I tell a lot of my patients too. I mean, uh, if, for those of you who don't know, I do chronic pain. And uh, what I tell a lot of my patients is I want to look at the endpoint as being your function. It's not just a number. It's, it's, it's not just about that. It's about what are you able to do? And I think that is what you were referring to as well. Right. Um, so tell us a little bit about what your practice looks like now. So now I see I book one patient an hour. I don't see, you know, five or six an hour. You know, most doctors are going to see people, a person every 10 minutes, or I probably saw one every 
10 or 15. So like five to six people an hour. I never do that. They're all one hour. So that's why people are like, why do I have to pay cash? I'm like, you're paying for the other five people to not be here. <laughs> <laughs> that's one way to look at it. But no, really. It's like the five, what I would have done in that one hour, I would have seen five people and also, you know, I could have done a surgery in an hour and that's a thousand dollars. I could have done this. And there's a lot of things I can do for an hour, but I'm only with you. Your insurance does not ever pay me to spend one hour with one patient that is not even in their, on their list of things they pay for. Right. So I was like, so you, and we need to spend that hour together. Cause you, you know, a lot of times you try to tell the doctor your story and they don't have the time to listen to, well, in 19, you know, 20 years ago, it started when, you know, yeah. <laughs> But I do. I ask you that. And then I'm like, well, what about your mom? And what about your grandma? And then what about everybody else? And which, which one are you like? Oh, are you like them? Oh, do you think you're going to have what she had at 50? Oh my, let's, let's change that. Does she have Alzheimer's? Oh my God, we need a plan for that. They're like, but I came in for weight loss, but we need to make an Alzheimer's plan. <laughs> what I do all day is like, what you think you came in with a problem and you think it's important and we'll get to that. But I'm going to also come up with a list of what's important and it might be in a different order than your list. But I also, you know, have the experience to know that this has got to be fixed before this. Like if you mm -hmm. tell me you can't sleep, but you need to lose weight. I know I can't, your weight's not going anywhere. If you're still sleeping two hours a night, I know that you, if you're in pain, your weight's not going anywhere. I have to address things in an order that where you're like, I have to get these out of the way. So now your body can focus on the elective thing. I must find the important things, the underlying things. If I think you're about to have a stroke and your blood pressure sky high, I definitely want to address that before I deal with your weight. Yeah. <laughs> this is dangerous. You just can't feel it this you can see, but it's actually not immediately dangerous to you. So I fix things in a strange way. So interesting thing. So I had a patient and I see a lot of people by Skype because I have people who come from like Austin, which is like three hours away and New Orleans, five hours away, people who fly here. So a lot of times I follow up with them by Skype. Mm -hmm. So one of my patients is in Austin and I've been seeing her for about two years. And she came in, of course, wanting to lose weight. She's perimenopausal, wants to lose weight. And it took me two years to get her to lose the 40 pounds that she wanted to lose. So, and then 40 pounds ago, she was 30. So now she's 50 and she was 30. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh my God, we finally got you down to your 30 year old weight. I've gotten 20 years off of you. And she's like, oh no. It's even better because when I was 30, in order to maintain that weight of 160, I had to run five miles a day and I could only eat under a thousand calories a day. Now I don't have to exercise like to the point where I hurt myself and I can eat what I want. I mean, I did, did food allergies with her and I, we figured out exactly how many carbs is her break point. I'm like, I don't want you keto. I want to know if you can eat 70 carbs and maintain your weight or still lose weight. I want you on 70. I don't want you on 20 grams of carbs. I want you to be able to live your life and go on vacation and not violate your rules, you know? Yeah. yeah. We came up with, but so she was eating more carbs, more food, exercising less and had a better weight than when she was 30 at 50. That is hard. And that's not going to happen in five minutes, one visit. And it didn't even for her happen in a year because yeah. I had to get rid of her insomnia, her sleep apnea, her chronic pain, <laughs> her cholesterol. There's a lot of different things that went away during that two years. But finally, you know, when I got her metabolism where she'd lose weight, she's like, but now I'm at a better weight. 
but it's easier than when I was 30. And I'm like, see, that is what functional medicine is doing. And I'm sure she just overall feels so much better too, because if you're so restricted like that at 30 years old, I mean, how, how much joy are you going to have if you're, if you're having to restrict yourself so much? Yeah. Cause she, like her main complaint was weight loss. That was all she wanted. Like, I just want to lose weight. And I was like, nope, I want you to have your metabolism back, which is a very different task. It's a much harder task to restore a metabolism that has been damaged. Because if she had to do all that at 30, she couldn't have had a good metabolism. You shouldn't right. need to eat 900 calories to lose weight or, you know, when exercise like, a, like that, do, be an extreme athlete. <laughs> you know? yeah. and so I was like, no, I need to actually like, look at it differently and figure out how to put you back together piece by piece where you're not tripping about it. Cause you know, the, when I was 20, I could eat like an all you can eat buffet three times a day and maintain a very low weight, but that's because my metabolism was good. So right. when you are 50 and have to do all these gymnastics to lose your weight, you know, there's something else wrong than just I ate and didn't exercise. You know, there's just so many other little layers to the problem and, and you have to start playing with them one by one. How is your hormones? Are you eating the right foods? Are you doing this? What else? You know, what's underlying this? So there's just so many things and it's, it's more fun. See, now I have more of a puzzle and it's, it's fun to me and every, everything is new. Whereas before, even though I was helping people, it was the same thing. Here's your antidepressant. Here's your antidepressant. Here's your antidepressant. You know, the, you know yeah. it, it just wasn't very, I was not using my full potential and my full capacity when I was doing that. And now I feel like I'm constantly pushing myself to, I mean, I, I learn something new every day. Even if someone comes in with the exact same disease, I'm like, okay, oh, yours is a, you got yours a different way. You have psoriasis because of this. And she had psoriasis because of that, you know, and how people got to the disease is, you know, more important to me than I have psoriasis. Okay, that's not, <laughs> I was like, yeah. that's great. And I'm going to get rid of it. But hers is hormonal. Yours is food allergy. And they're two different fixes. So people come to me, fix my psoriasis. And I'm like, I'm going to fix it very different ways because you, you walked into it a different way. And I definitely think like that, that practice of medicine, to me at least, makes complete sense. I mean, when you're limited with time because of what, you know, insurance dictates or you want to get a certain amount of patients in per hour, that makes practicing this type of medicine very challenging. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I love what you do. And we're in a society where people want things fast. Like if I come to you for weight loss, I need in a month. If I haven't seen something, you know. And they want like, a, you know, quick fix, right? It's just like, you know, but sometimes it does require work on, on both your parts, like both the physician as well as the um, patient. Yeah, and see, and now I attract more patients who know, you know, my patients are, when they come to see me, they know it's a long-term thing. This is a doctor mm -hmm. I'm going to see every three or four or six months, you know, whatever our pattern is for mm -hmm. a long time. It's not somebody I'm going to see once and get something and be gone. I mean, most of my patients have to see me ongoing because we're doing aging and longevity and I'm trying to get them to live longer. I'm trying to make sure that whatever happened to their parents doesn't happen to them. <laughs> and, that's, and that takes a lot of, you know, it must be very satisfying but it must be satisfying because you get to follow this patient over a long period of time and see how they improve with what you're offering them um, and working together with them um, and so you get to see their progress so I think that is very fulfilling 
Well, we're about to run out of time, but I wanted to see if um, if people were interested in just chatting with you or connecting with you, how would they go about doing so? Yeah, so if they're on Facebook, I have a page, Dr. Camo, and people can usually message me through that page and then see you know, some of the posts and information that I give everybody. Um, for some of my women who are going through menopause, I have a teaching group called Gyno Goddess, like gynecologist. So I'm not trying to make you fix your illness. I'm trying to make you a goddess who is an immortal, indestructible being that is controlling everything. (laughs) (laughs) And this is a Facebook group? Yeah, it's a Facebook group. So we have a free Facebook group where we post every day about different, you know, longevity things. Because menopause is like, you know, we used to only spend five, 10 years of our lives in menopause. And now we spend 40 years of our lives in menopause. And it's a, it's a hell of a trip. <laughs> but if you're armed with certain provisions, you can get through that trip very successfully. So I'm trying to empower women to kind of not feel like, oh, I'm 50 and fell apart. I wish for the days when I was 30. Well, you know, you can reclaim them. So that's my teaching group. Um, like the Dr. Kamo page is more for just everybody. There's men, there's women, there's everybody on it. But the teaching group is more like my main focus subject is uh, menopause and aging. So it's, it's that group. So people can, you know, interact with me on either of those Facebook groups, um, or they can email me at vitadoc2, V-I-T-A, like vitamin doc, like doctor, and then the number two at gmail.com if they wanted like information on how to schedule a in-person or Skype appointment. Awesome. I'm very excited for you um, taking your time out today to chat with us. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wish Well podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe and follow along every week for new episodes. You can find us on Instagram at wishwell.health and at our website, wishwell.health.blog. Until next time, I wish you health and I wish you wellness. Thank you.